Welcome to Product Quality Matters, where we discuss product quality matters because product quality matters. We're in pursuit of quality conversations on commercial software development. I'm Andrew. I'm Gareth. And we're joined today by our co-author, Toby. Hello. Welcome to the podcast, Toby. Oh, it's good to be here. And we are here to kick off a conversation around that, that wider scope of software quality. Yeah, quality in all of its uh, multifaceted goodness, um, the thing that underpins whether or not what we build is successful or not, delivers value to customers, delivers good business outcomes. We really want to engage with an industry-wide expanding conversation about good software delivery and fast software delivery being one and the same thing. Gooder, faster, better software. Exactly. I think it's useful to talk about the the origins of this whole idea, which is a company that we all uh, are heavily involved in, Secure Delivery, that's doing product security consulting. And I'm going to hand over to Toby in a sec after teeing this up. But essentially, the, the key realization of product security being that security is just another aspect of quality. And when we treat it as such, we suddenly lift the veil and are able to engage with it in a way that is native and natural to product delivery organizations. Toby, could you tell us a little bit about where those ideas came from, how they evolved, and that we can discuss expanding that out to look at more than just security? Yeah, absolutely. So many years ago now, I was thinking quite a lot about security. I ended up coming from a delivery and a very technical delivery role more into security engineering. And I got to thinking about more deeply about what it's all about. And some of my early uh, research if you will, into it, led me to something which is really strangely unknown in the whole software development industry, or certainly nobody I've talked to really has heard of it. And that's this wonderful little ISO standard called ISO 25010. I certainly hadn't heard of it before you showed it to me. <laughs> and you've been in this industry for quite a while, Gareth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, coming on um, two decades. <laughs> And this is a very common kind of response I get from people. Uh, the, obviously, the first response is, oh, ISO standard. Why are you talking to me about ISO standards? That was certainly my first response. <laughs> <laughs> Yawn. But very, very soon after looking at it, anybody who works in this field gets that kind of, as you've said, Gareth, that veil lifting moment, that sudden, oh, this is a defined thing. And the ISO team created the software product quality model 25,010. It's been around in a couple of versions for, well, current published versions from 2012, way, way back. And there's a new one coming up very, very soon, which has a few quite important updates that I'm sure we'll talk about on a future episode. It hurts my feelings to say 2012 is way, way back, but that is true. <laughs> yeah, and obviously within the... ISO 25010 software product quality model is the quality aspect of security. So you can see it there finally sitting alongside everything else, you know, the functional quality, the performance, usability, reliability, all of that good stuff. And having a model, an explicit model that you can look at, it's kind of broken down from those overall aspects into these little characteristics of, of each quality. So there's a lot of food for thought in there. It was wonderful to see security sitting alongside everything else to allow you to kind of reason and, and start to have conversations with, with the rest of your team around really what's important. Within security, we have quite a big issue, which is that traditionally in our industry, security has been very outside in. 
So obviously coming from inside delivery myself, you start looking at how do you how do you reframe this in a way that delivery teams can actually take on board and deal with themselves. When you lay out security as a quality matter, it becomes just much more reasonable to deal with and much more understandable. You know, oh, this is just another aspect of quality. Oh, we deal with performance all the time. We deal with usability all the time. We deal with maintainability all of the time. There's nothing special about security. What do we need to understand to deal with this in the same way? So when we sat down and thought about how do we connect quality with ways of working, we fundamentally come down to the fact that there are capabilities that you need as a team across all aspects of quality to be able to deal with them. But one of the fundamental things we realized when we were defining a framework for product security was that it has to be capability centric. When you need the delivery teams to be able to fully manage this aspect of quality, they need the capabilities to deal with it. I think it's interesting to briefly mention the compliance and industry standard side here, because when you're talking about security, compliance is often in the same breath. And when you're thinking about compliance, you're often thinking about these big, long lists of checkboxes and controls, whether it's a regulation, like it's something you have to do, whether it's something more like OWASP SAM, like an industry standard that's best practice, something that you want to do. It's still understood and thought of in terms of controls. And it's just so hard as an engineering team or a product delivery organization, rather, to improve. You've either satisfied a control or you haven't. And once you've satisfied it, your job is done. Yep. It's just so not how we think about any of the other things that we do. You once said to me, oh, we've reverse engineered the quality model behind this piece of regulation. And th that blew my mind because being able to say, I know there's all these controls, but actually what they're trying to do is say, here's a structured understanding of quality, primarily around security, that you need to be satisfying in order to be able to execute in this market or in this category, or in order to be considered secure. When you look at it like that, you're like, well, how do we achieve those things? Well, our capabilities, like our ability to do various structured things like right maintainable software or usable software, whatever it might be, will lead directly to build product that has these various quality attributes in terms of risk, which is awesome. Now we can improve. Now we can grow. Now we can measure how we're doing. We can do more of some and less of others, uh, as opposed to controls where you're just, <laughs> what, what are you meant to do with that? And once you've seen those capabilities and realized that I would suggest the majority of them are things that you're already doing and already care about, you realize how capabilities and concepts are what are leading to the results, you know, the business outcomes of whatever it is that your commercial enterprise is trying to do. And security is not an outlier. It is just another aspect of quality that the sum of your capabilities needs to produce. Yeah. So let's bring this back up into quality in general. So I think the realization that a lot of what was happening in security was really just uh, how do we build software well? How do we define what our expected or expectations of that software are going to be? And how do we kind of reason about these things collectively so we can all you know, balance the investments that we're making balance the effort that we're putting in place to make sure that, you know, if we are making trade-offs from one aspect of quality to another, if we're making it faster but less reliable, how do we kind of quantify those things and how do we identify the work we need to put in place? It would be lovely to live in a world where we have a structured way of thinking about all this so the things you do lead to the outcomes you get. When we consider your capabilities and concepts, are all contributing to quality leading to business outcomes. You can state that in a structured way. It's something that we're going to call the qualities outcomes axiom. 
maybe we'll try and prove it at some point, but for now it's a starting premise, which is that the capabilities of your product delivery organization directly lead to the qualities of your output, how reliable, how maintainable, et cetera. The qualities of your output of the software that you've built of your products directly leads to the value that your customers get from your product, from that output. And the value that your customers get from your product directly leads to the business outcomes that you're getting to the results that you get. And so just to say it again, your capabilities lead to your qualities. The qualities of your output lead to your customer value. Your customer value leads to your business outcomes. And if you zoom out a bit, you're starting at endpoints. The things that you do lead to the results that you get. But now we've got a structured way of talking about it and thinking about it. And I think it's expanding out from that core loop that we realized in security going, hang on a second, some, some capabilities here lead to good security, which is directly valuable to customers and directly good for business outcomes. When you bring, I say 25,000 in, and we can say that same thing about functional completeness, about usability, about maintainability, about reliability, about the various aspects of quality. And that gives us something that can be repeated. It gives us something where we have an improvement loop that allows us to directly consider our day-to-day -day actions and how mature we are in a structured way and in a way where we're not just targeting high qualities for high quality's sake, we're targeting good enough. I think there's here a lot talking about high-performing engineering teams or high-impact delivery. And this, for me, kind of brings it down into something very quantifiable. So we can now say it doesn't matter that you're so directly connected to the customer that you understand which button they're clicking wrong or you you know, you've lived the life of the customer you know exactly what is of value to them in solving problems you can be further back down that loop and understand that those quality models you're building towards are those ways of directly impacting the business outcomes or the customer value so if we're talking about high impact engineering it's about delivering high quality software absolutely i suspect a high performing engineering team which is something that's bandied about a lot from DevOps and Dora and all that kind of jazz, a high-performing engineering team delivers the highest quality possible for the least effort. The other thing I really like about this one, two, three, four axiom is that it allows you to explain what you mean by highest quality, right? And so if we work from right to left, good customer, like good business outcomes is essentially success in the market. You're going concern, you're making a profit, et cetera. That, that's kind of the self-evident good. Good customer value, value that you want to chase, product market fit, is customer value that is directly leading to your good business outcomes, right? Good quality, like what does high quality mean? Well, it means the quality that leads to the level of customer value that you want to define, no more, no less. So for your specific product category, for your specific use case, you may not care about reliability. You may not care about performance. You may not care, like there's, there's specific levels of things Good is defined exclusively in terms of the quality of the next jump in that hop. And then, of course, the capabilities that you need to invest in, both in terms of your understanding, but also in terms of the time that you're investing, are directly and exclusively defined by the qualities that you want in your product. You know, Don't burn a ton of hours on maintainability for something that you don't even know if anybody wants it yet, for example. Yeah. And this is an interesting point, which is that quality is relative. Yeah. Not absolute. And I love in a, that. In, <laughs> thank you. In the world of commercial software development, uh, it's relative to your competition. 
Now, I've worked at all kinds of organizations delivering all kinds of products. And sometimes, you know, usability in that field is just accepted to be terrible, you know, business software in general. So you can be relatively better than the competition quite easily in a way that on the usability side, but certainly wouldn't pass muster in any other sector, right, in a, with any other set of customers, which I find really, really interesting. And while quality may be relative, competitive disruption tends to change that relative standard. Yeah, it's, it's that factor of disruption, isn't it? So, so if I've got an established going concern and I'm really happy with my relative quality model and I'm in there and I'm delivering for the market, my customers are relatively happy because comparatively we're better. Someone else comes in, like you say, they are far more usable or high performance. My ability to catch up is normally going to be quite poor when we see people being disrupted because the capability that's fundamentally driving that particular part of the quality is baked in and then cannot change quick enough to catch up. Mm-hmm. And is disruption always quality disruption? Because is anybody listening to this podcast on their BlackBerry? <laughs> I'm sure I have one in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> I will be that guy. I think it probably is. And specifically quality and use disruption. The static product quality is ISO 25000 is, is quality, but measuring the value that you're deriving from something is quality and use. When you're trying to do achieve some task or get entertained or whatever it is, as a, an engaging with a built system that has static qualities, how well does that system deliver the value to you? Nobody's using Blackberries, not because iPhone style, you know, the glass slab is an inherently statically high quality product, you know, better build quality or whatever that means. It's because it's nicer to use. It's more delightful. You get shit done more quickly because it's all quality all the way down. And what's so cool there is that the two things that we've introduced in the Axiom, we're trying to get to say, well, the stuff you do leads to the results that you get. Well, the hops in the middle are both measurable things you can reason about aspects of quality. In fact, that reminds me of something that I really wanted to ask you about, Toby, is quality control, which is what we're talking about when we're measuring quality versus quality assurance, that outer feedback loop of what are you going to do about it if the quality control is saying there's a problem and how there is a fundamental misunderstanding of this that's in, in software. Pushing Toby's hot button on this one. Yes, this is a uh, this is a big issue. I mentioned an issue earlier, which is that we in delivery, we're not thinking explicitly about quality. We don't even know what the ISO standard for software product quality is. It's just an unknown. The probably bigger issue in our industry is we call quality control quality assurance. And it isn't. <laughs> well, well, let's... Ex- Expand on that. You've made the assertion. What is quality control? Quality control is our testing. It's the testing that we do of the product to see if it has reached our quality goals. Cleared that quality bar in the various areas of quality that we're looking at. Yeah, like what my QA engineers do, right? (laughs) QC engineers. Uh, So quality control is testing your product once it's built, but before, preferably before, it gets into the hands of your customers. So in the world of software, it's absolutely where we do our QA, terrifyingly. And I'll get into why that's terrifying at this point. But we're doing our QC at this point. We're doing quality control. And quality control are the activities that we do to ensure that quality is at the right level in the products that we make. 
and that's sort of automated testing, manual testing, performance testing, all that security testing, all of that stuff, right? All that good stuff. It might be quality specific, like performance, security, like you say, could be functional, but all of our testing that we do. And the aim of quality control is to identify and correct any quality defects that are in that built product. Our performance testing environment is there to catch any performance regressions, right? Those unexpected sudden degradations of performance that a recent change has caused and we catch it before its production and causes a massive, massive problem. We can then immediately fix those defects. You know, the whole testing process creates defects, but we're getting them fixed. And getting them fixed is part of quality control as well. And if you'll permit me a quick physical analogy with real physical products at this point, if your car is about to leave the factory, your new car that you've ordered, if your washing machine, if whatever device or thing that you bought is about to leave the factory and quality control finds a problem with it, it's not just thrown away, typically. It's not just identified as a problem and then shipped to the customer, right? So quality control isn't just looking for problems, it's looking to fix them as well. So at that point, if something's not been quite screwed in properly, if something's loose, if there's something fixable, it gets fixed. And that's quality control. Great. We've we identified a defect. We fixed the defect in the product. And then we got it off to the customer. No harm, no foul. Right? Okay. So, so a lot of what we call QA and software is actually quality control. So then what is quality assurance? Quality assurance. Well, back to that factory. Why are these products coming off the line with things not screwed in properly? Why are we seeing these things in quality control? Well, walk back up the line and find out. And that's what happens. You go and find out. You might have a problem with your tooling. You might have a problem with your processors. You might have a problem with the understanding uh, in the heads of the people or even in the heads of the robots actually building the product for you. Quality assurance is preventative. Quality assurance's aim is to prevent defects. It's a process-oriented thing rather than the product-oriented thing that quality control is. It's the things we do to ensure the quality is going to be built into the product in the first place, going back up the line, finding where the problems came from, or proactively getting ahead of any of that stuff through better understanding in the first place. It's how we build our products. So quality assurance is just a, our ways of working. Is this those tools, those skills, that understanding? So generally, we're talking about the capabilities you use to build your product. Quality assurance is capabilities, yes, fundamentally. Quality control is really important, but don't just fix the defects. Figure out why and do something about it. You yeah. know, change, change the rules of the game for yourself so that you have fewer defects. That's such a powerful idea. And so common everywhere else. Why don't we do it? Good Lord. <laughs> because, and this is the terrifying thing, we think we're doing quality assurance because we call our testing quality assurance. So when you have this mislabeling of the capability, you believe you're doing QA. You're not doing QA. Why is your quality control finding anything is the key question, right? I think you've made it super well, like very clear, very powerful idea. Do testing, do quality control, check whether or not the things are there. For the love of God, do it in an automated fashion, but use that as signal to improve your fundamental capabilities. And so again, if we put the axiom kind of front and center, you're now putting something that we're often already measuring into the path from the stuff you do leads to the results you get and providing a mechanism to think about improving the stuff you do based on measures. So you're not just going, you're not just arguing about 
I don't know, engineering sprints versus feature sprints or all these horrible anti-patterns that you see out there because ultimately everyone is just trying to deliver good customer value. Everyone's just trying to make the business successful. You're actually able to say, well, hang on a second. We are not investing enough time in this capability. We're too immature in this capability. We need training. We need to hire whatever it might be. And here's where we can see that happening. You know, there's an aspect of quality that we haven't been measuring or we've been measuring but ignoring the results of or whatever. You know, you get a a feedback loop, an improvement loop that allows you to take more deliberate action to target more deliberate quality because you have a hypothesis that you're measuring that that's customer value and that and you can see the business outcomes because I guarantee you if you're a pure engineer out there listening, your business outcomes are definitely being measured at the top level. Yeah, every business does. For that, the tying it into continuous improvement and saying, hey, we should always be getting better. Quality assurance is a thing where everything improves all the time. When we tie it into business outcomes, I don't think that's the case because your business outcome doesn't say that we need to be the most reliable, most performant, most usable, most everything because we have a bottomless pile of cash. And that's why good is defined exclusively in terms of what the hell it is you're trying to do, right? Don't waste your time overshooting quality where you don't need to. That doesn't mean you don't need high quality sometimes. Just be deliberate about it. I think this is where you find that to bring it back to our security start. Often when we look at regulation, often when we look at these externally imposed ideas of what things should be, we can then focus and say, we are now arbitrarily going to invest a lot of money in security. And you're just delivering the highest quality in something that potentially, if you're not a bank, maybe your customers aren't buying you for the trust. Maybe they don't care at that point, that stage in your business, that you need to be as secure. So being able to balance the conversations of, we need to achieve these particular outcomes together against the market we're trying to achieve that discussion of balance, that being able to define and develop that internal, that deliberate quality model that says we're intentionally pursuing these things to this particular standard. And this is, for me, another big issue. The probably not voiced, but widely held belief that customers don't value security. So crazy. (laughs) Which is absolutely crazy. Now, I mean, let's ignore the black swan event. Let's ignore the big data breach here for now. Because when you're doing risk management, something that's high impact, but very, very unlikely, you quite rightly put it towards the bottom of the pile of things that you care about. But if you are building software that delivers value to multiple customers, and one of your customers comes to use your product, and they see somebody else's information instead of theirs, for whatever reason, a terrible, terrible uh, defect in the product, and, and you're showing somebody else's account to the wrong person. This is a security quality problem. This is a confidentiality problem. Now, I, when I'm using your product, I'm looking at somebody else's name, somebody else's email, somebody else's photos, whatever. Yeah, I've just fundamentally lost trust in you <laughs> as a business. You know, and I'm, I'm wondering... deleting my account as quickly as I can. Absolutely. Can anybody else see my stuff? I thought my stuff was, oh, oh, I don't like this, right? So it's not just the breach. The breaches get all of the press, they get the big fines against them and everything. This arguably is a breach, right? But it's a relatively minor breach of confidentiality from a regulator point of view, as long as it's not somebody else's bank account, right? If you are leaking information across accounts accidentally through through the introduction of defects in the code, you're going to lose that trust, as Gareth says. You're going to, the customers are going to lose trust. They're just going to go somewhere else. And it's a huge uphill climb to build that back again once it happens. So quality is value. All aspects of quality are value. Your customers value how responsive your product is. Your customers value how secure it is. Your customers value how reliable it is. They value all aspects of quality. This conversation here is kind of 
led us towards those arbiters of customer voice and business voice, the product owners in this space, who, in my view, are fundamentally quality managers. I quite like that. That's a, that's a big statement. And I hope that um, I hope we can, we can come back to justifying it over and over again over the course of the podcast. Every time that you find yourself in a, an argument as an engineer about good versus fast, every time that you find disagreement within your organization as a product owner about where we should be investing our time and what the best thing to happen is, our assertion here is that that's because there's a quality model that's implicit. And because it's implicit, it's in different people's heads, it's understood in different ways. And if we can make it explicit, we can lead to much better business outcomes and much happier engineers, much happier product folks, much happier designers, a productive conversation about deliberate, explicit quality. So that when you're talking about good versus fast, you realize you're just talking about what the definition of good is. I think our aim with the podcast is to to run through that and to dive deep on all of those, you know, today we're talking about the overview and the underpinnings, but to dive deep into the various aspects of quality, chat to the experts in those spaces and to really get a useful and applicable ongoing conversation going that anybody working in commercial software delivery is going to get value from in terms of their day-to-day -day life. I think that brings us nicely to a close. Thank you very much, Toby, for your time. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Gareth. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that. Thanks, Toby. This has been Product Quality Matters, where we talked about some product quality matters and realized that product quality matters. <laughs> <laughs> and we're off. And we're off. <laughs>